Some housekeeping before we get started. You may have noticed that it's been a couple weeks since I stocked the shelves. One reason for that is that I've been concentrated on some marketing. Getting the word out about the show, migrating show notes over to the new Facebook page for no such thing. I have a related favor to ask up front. For those of you who never deleted your Facebook accounts, head over to facebook.com slash no such thing podcast and give the page a like. In addition to show notes and photos, I'm hoping it's a place to hear more from you. As you know, this DJ takes requests. So take a minute to let me know if you have topics you'd like me to cover in the coming episodes. I've also been busy putting together some new interviews for the start of the school year. I think you'll be excited by what's on its way. This episode is another two-parter, and it's something of an experiment. Late in the spring, I emailed one of my favorite friend educators, Rudy Blanco. Uh, my name is Rudy Blanco. I work with the Dream Yard Project in the South Bronx. It went, I've been dreaming about an episode format where I have an adult and student join me at Mouse to play a popular game and conduct an interview at the same time. It's kind of a cross between a Let's Play video and a radio story. Maybe you have an awesome student who wants to join you before things get busy in the summer. His response, and I quote, Hells yeah, Mark. So here it is. If you listen to both episodes, it's two hours of gameplay and talk about games and learning, play, popular titles, a takedown of the Fortnite franchise by young game reviewer and Rudy student Kamari Rennes. I can't wait for you to meet Kamari. We talk about diversity in games, we define some terms, sidetrack a bit into mythology, and so, so much more. Here's the bottom line though. If you've never played video games with your students, you might be missing out on a tremendous learning opportunity. How often in your class does a student jump in and say, I'm happy to control the ship? This and so much more in the episode ahead. Enjoy. This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. We saved them, but how is it breathing in outer space? Because love. <laughs> Word. Love always <laughs> is the answer. It finds a way. Oh, oh, right. They heal our ship. So our Uber has arrived. <laughs> We're on our way. Oh, and that's the, that yellow thing. That's like the super weapon. It, like that one makes like a giant laser beam, I think. Oh. Uh, oh no, it gets used up. Don't worry, it'll recharge. Okay. okay. There's another one there. The Uber is here. It's crazy because then you don't know where you should be first because you don't know where the bad guys are gonna be. So I'm gonna just gonna chill for a bit and see where's the best place. Oh. So can we start with where you guys know each other from? Yeah. So um, uh, I met Kimari um, when we were doing uh, recruitment work. She had come over. Um, she was talking about like uh, going to Dreamyard Prep. And before she had made a decision, um, uh, I think I recall like we had just been talking about like, you know, like what you like, the technology and stuff. And like I remember it was just we were like, yeah, you need to come to Dreamyard Prep. And I was so because you weren't sure, I think, if you wanted to come to Dreamyard Prep yet. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go because... I wanted, at first I wanted to attend um, the Bronx School of Medical Science because at that time I was thinking, oh, I want to be a therapist. But then, like, they didn't have space for me. It wasn't that I was denied. They just didn't have space. 
So DreamYard gave me a call and I came over and that's where I met Blanco and he gave me a tour. Yeah, and uh, I think um, you actually were into the whole uh, Mouse Squad thing because we had Mouse Squad already. It had already been running for like about two or three years. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I think, do you remember who it was that you had met student-wise, uh, like your first times there? Like, uh, I, I met most of the seniors. Okay. Yeah. It's so like Ben and them? Yes. I met a lot of the seniors, and that's like, they really welcomed me. And I mean... Uh, Honestly, like, I'm so glad um, that you ended up just coming to DreamYard Prep because, honestly, like, what you've been doing, dude, is so intense. Like, every every program you've participated in, like, the... I mean, I think the coolest thing is the whole video game critic circle stuff. Like, I think that's one of the coolest, like, you've taken that and, like, you really gave them a reason to kind of keep coming back to DreamYard Prep, which I'm so grateful for. And I just hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, I, I am enjoying every program at Dreamyard. That's what makes that was that's what really makes um, Dreamyard special. That's why I'm glad to be here. Mm. So, Kamar, you're now 16. Yes. Um, Blanco, you're 17. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, uh, we, don't, we don't have to go there. So, <laughs> so uh, Rudy, you've been uh, teaching in different capacities, Kamari. Mm -hmm. Um, since her freshman year, so it's going on three years. So that's pretty amazing. And and so, how did you guys first learn that um, you were both gamers? Do you remember? I think it was because we had a Wii U at the school. I didn't think there would be a Wii U at a high school, but for some reason we had it, and. Coupled with the fact that we had gaming consoles there, um, it was also there was a lot of anime posters all over the wall. Mm -hmm. So I guess things sort of clicked, and like you're a gamer, I'm a gamer, and n now we're sitting here playing games <laughs> together. So you know what's funny was that uh, did I ever tell you how that we ended up at school? No. Um. So. One of the first games that I've always been into, like when I came to the U.S., um, I came here from the Dominican Republic and stuff, and uh, I, we had an NES, you know, like I've always been, you know, like into the whole, like all the other kids are playing with like cars and I'm over here like I want video games and technology. Uh, but ever since I was little, like um, I've really been into like Zelda. Uh, Zelda has always been a game that, you know, like it's just always been a part of my life and Nintendo has always, you know, kept it true. Um, and uh, when I saw that Zelda was coming out for, you know, like these different like uh, consoles, especially for Nintendo at the time, uh, I'm sorry, I'm totally like <laughs> looking at the game and trying to figure it out. But I guess long story short, what happened was that I got the Wii for Zelda. Um, and uh, I would always, my friends would be like, Rudy, like, you're a grown man. Like, you're an adult. Like, why are you buying it? I was like, listen, one, I like video games. But then after a while, like, I guess I didn't want to be frustrated with all of my, like, friends telling me that gaming is not for adults. So I would always say, like, oh, I got it for the kids. You know, like, I got it for the kids. Oh, and every system much. that I've ever bought, I'm like, oh, I'm getting it for the kids. But in reality, you know. It's research. Like, it's research. <laughs> and it's for, for work. work. But I'm so grateful that I did that because it was just sitting in my house not getting any use, you know? And that sucked. <clears throat> but that's how that we got there, by the way. And I'm just glad that you all 
kind yeah, of. Yeah, we all we found it. each other <laughs> through that. Could you um, drive the ship? Yep. I'm having trouble because like the. Oh, the propulsion. It's propulsion. They. Oh, you can't hit. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is new for me. Okay. So like the laser keeps shooting us. So I need to control the shield. Okay. So what are we playing, Kamari? Um, we're playing this two-player game called Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time. And basically what it is is, um, so the Love HQ, which is in space, um, got destroyed. And we need to find all the pieces to bring it back together. So we're, me and Blanco are playing together to operate this ship. So not only can we save the people, but also find the pieces to um, the Love HQ. Got it. So since you, you all, I'm sorry. So since you all can't see what we're doing, like I just want to say that it's so cool. We're in like this circular ship, and like there's different compartments in the ship. So we each have to kind of like split up the resources. Like there's like an engine, a shield, a uh, propulsion, and like each one of us has to like control all of these at the same time, which is kind of sweet. I've never played a game like this before. <clears throat> there's kind of like a um it's kind of got a vibe like you're inside um inside of another body in some way yes right so you're like you're kind of enclosed in these in these sort of tunnels so right now i think we're in the um one half of the love hq right which is like a heart shape, right? Yeah, it's a heart-shaped um, headquarters in the middle of space, and it was ripped in half, and pieces of this machine has been broken apart, and it's very important, so yeah. we have to find the pieces to bring it back. Um, can you bring the shield up? Is that one of the, the lasers? No, 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 we have to go up. Okay. Let me go get the map for you. Okay. Yeah, we have to go up right. and to the right. You got it. So is this the first time you guys are playing together? This is our first time playing together, although I've played this game before. What just happened? You hit me. <laughs> what? Friendly fire. Wow. How did we go from twirling to hitting each other? This game is called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, and you hit me. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that was even possible. Wow. <laughs> um, we also played Monster Hunter. Oh, yes. Um, uh, We've played Monster Hunter together, which is also pretty cool, but uh, we've never been able to play and actually communicate, right? It's always been, because uh, with Monster Hunter, if you're playing online, like, the only way to communicate is through parties. Through your characters, right? Yeah, um, and through, like, texting, through characters, but it's something more efficient about just being able to yes. be in person or, like, talking to each other so you can communicate. Ooh, that's pretty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, this is why I got this. I game. like it's the whole really thing. Like it's really yeah. Like and I like the colors too. I love it. Where where did you learn about this game, Kamari? Um, I saw that it was free on the PlayStation Store a while ago, so I picked it up. It looked really good, and when I got it, I really liked the strategy aspect of it because like there's different parts of the ship you need to interact with to make it function. Although there's only one of you. Right. And there can be up to four people together. So what's the goal of the game? So basically, um, we just completed the tutorial. And as you 
you may not be able to see here, but um, on the screen, like that's one half of the um, Love HQ. It's like ripped in half and we need to find pieces to fix it. And I believe the way the game works is um, you play through one of four campaigns to find the pieces and each piece you can get from one of the bosses. And I'm sure you can see here, Blanco, that we have to fight Ursa Major to mm -hmm. get one of the pieces. I like that they're actual constellations. Yeah. So that's what really makes this game cool. It, like, focuses on, like, the aspect of space. Like, let's just get into it. Yeah, let's do it. What do you want to do? Um, I'm happy to control the ship. Okay. Is that the map? Oh, that's where the people are. So if we save um, in the top left corner, mm -hmm. it shows how many people we need to save. So we need oh, to save five okay. bunny people in order to... Um, okay, so those are like targets on the map. And that um, giant heart with the lock on the map, that's our objective to get out of All that right. one part of the campaign. And Let's those like, like reticles are where the people are. Mm. Let's do it. So I've played this game before by myself. And although this is intended to be a multiplayer game, they the game actually gave me a pet to play with. <laughs> so it was kind of sad, but it was it was really fun being able to play the game. Like there's a lot to it. Like there's asteroids that you can break and they hurt your ship. Like there's a lot to take into consideration, especially if you're playing with one person. Kim, have you played this game like uh, with others? No. This is your first time, like, two-player? Yes. What do you think? I, I think it's really cool. Like, right now we're kind of stressing out because there's multiple enemies. <laughs> well, you know, we, we have that, that yellow weapon there, which I think we're going to save, right? Yeah, we're going to save. What's this blue one here? Oh, that's the asteroid. It's coming close. Oh. Um, The blue one, is that that's how you control the shield. So okay, we're going to okay. maneuver through these two planets. And I think later on in the game, there are actual planets that have um, a gravitational pull, and they can damage your ship, too. Mm. No. It is really cool looking. I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, what the what the aesthetic reminds me of. It's... Oh, my. This is an asteroid belt. Uh-oh. And I think there's a person in there. Kim, what game would you say this reminds you of? Like, what could it be compared to? Hmm. Like, I felt like I've seen a game like this before, but I don't know where. Um, if anything, like, the the multiplayer aspect, it reminds me a lot of, like, Castle Crashers. Mm. I don't know if you've ever played it. I've never it. played Castle Crashers. But, yeah, um, Castle Crashers is, like, you play as these knights, and basically you have to save multiple princesses who have been captured, and... It's, it's a little graphic, but also childish at the same time. Yeah, I, I dig it. It's kind of got like, um, for for the the uh, old people listening, like myself, it's kind of got a little bit of like a stand-up, uh, like an upright game vibe, like an arcade game. Mm -hmm. um, it feels a little like... Uh, Little Pac-Man-y in a way. Yeah. Super vibrant, really colorful. Um, it's also got these like little bunny characters that are kind of, um, what would you, I don't know, it's kind of like 
a little little Hello Kitty feeling. Like it's it's very cutesy since yeah. the game is revolving around that yeah. like love, but it's also like aesthetically pleasing because of the space. It's interesting to have a um, a game where most of the mechanics are sort of battle oriented be in the context of this of uh, this topic where it's it's about like love and you're these little bunnies uh, shooting things from a from a, f- a floaty pink maze looking spaceship I think part of the toughest part here is knowing which part of the ship right because like if you imagine a circle, um, uh, on all four, well, there are no corners in a circle. Sorry, it's so hard <laughs> to talk. And it's like on uh, there's four parts where there's guns, like on the north, south, east, west right, sides of the right. circle. Um, so you have to like choose we where have you have to like fire from, but the enemies are circling <gasps> the ship, so you have to switch between like weapons, and it's pretty intense. So right here, I found a power gem. We got it from a president on the ship, and basically when you put it on your ship, um, it upgrades one of the one of the guns. So do you, where do you want the gem to be? Um, uh, I think the north one, that top one up there. Alright, so I think that makes it triple. Whoa. Nice. Hey now. Does it run out though? No. We have oh, that's like a ammo. permanent mon? Yes. Nice. You can switch out the crystals, though, if we get more. I saw, uh, when you told me about the game, I went and YouTubed uh, some gameplay, and I saw some of the potential weapons or some of the things you could potentially do with the guns, and I was, like, super excited. It reminds me a lot of, uh, is the name of the game Asteroids? Like, old school, like, where, like, you're shooting, like, all these, like, ships coming your way, but... Every once in a while, there's like a new upgrade to the weapon that like yeah. either adds multiple bullets or. It's got that. That's I think that's what makes it feel like there's an arcade game to me. Is it's got that that mm-hmm. a little bit of like a. Um, it's kind of flat. It's uh, it's a shooter, but you guys are kind of collaborating to shoot and um, and moving through space as at the same time. So it's like a it's like a modern version of Asteroid in a way, but in this bizarro. Uh, b- bunny love <laughs> world. I don't know what, it, <laughs> what do you call it. Yeah, it's hard to describe. I just know it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna put some. Uh, we'll put some uh, screen captures and a link to some gameplay in the show notes. Um, Kamari, you said uh, earlier you were talking about originally thinking about going to high school for people who don't know in in new york city you apply uh, to different high schools and and it for a different episode sometime uh and we've talked about this before in previous episodes but it it kind of um imposes this somewhat of a burden on an eighth grader to be thinking about like oh how do i want to spend these four years um as a stepping stone to a career which um for those of you listening, I, I would encourage anybody who knew what they were going to do when they were in eighth grade um, and followed that through to please, uh, you know, get in touch through uh, through the shows, through my Twitter handle, wherever you, wherever you want to get in touch. But I, I'm going to bet you it's not a lot of people. Um, but anyway, so you so you're a good case in point where 
you were like, I'm going to go to high school to be a therapist or get on that track. And now um, you and I met last week at the 15th annual Games for Change conference. Yes. Um, and you were telling me about some of your aspirations at this point. So um, tell us a little bit about that. Like, where, where do you see yourself in a couple of years? In a couple of years, um, I'd like to be a, a game designer. Um, so, like, as um, Mark was saying um, about, like, what I wanted to do in high school, um, like, it was a, like, I didn't really have a clear mind. I just knew, like, usually, like, my mindset was usually when you have, when you have to go to high school, you need to have a plan set in mind. Mm. And, well, I was like, oh, I wanted to be a therapist. And not a lot of people know this story, but um, the reason why I wanted to be a therapist was because of this um, video game I played called, um, what was it called? Um, Until Dawn, that was the game. It was, I think it was one of the first games for PS4. Mm. And, like, the reason why I wanted to be a therapist, although it was kind of silly, is because I really liked the therapist character in that game because oh, that's crazy. He, he would he would like the way he would talk to the person who they were like um like talking with i don't really even i don't even know the terminology but the person who they were talking with they were crazy and like the way they would talk to them like the way he would set up the room from occasion like i was like oh that seems kind of like a cool job mm. so I was like, maybe I'll be a therapist. <laughs> so meanwhile, you were you were playing a game, and you hadn't even thought at that point, like, oh, maybe I'll design games. Yes, and and you're getting me to my second point. Like, um, as I gave it thought while I was at Dreamyard, I was like, why, like, why want to be, why play games when I can make them myself? Mm. Because um, a video game inspired me to think of like getting a specific career. Why not make games myself since I really enjoy them and they really inspire me? So that's where um, the game designer um, dream came from. And I'm really passionate about it. Who are the, who are the designers or games that um, you really admire and would want to emulate in some of the stuff that you design? Oh, there are a lot of designers. Um, one of my favorites would be... Stop hitting me! I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't. I keep pressing the wrong button. I know I'm you want to play Kim. with the laser that I just installed, <laughs> but you can't hit me. Kamari, if you can, you move up six inches, Blanco. You two, just like time. Yeah, there you go. Scoot. All right. So, um, could you repeat your question? Yeah, the question was, um, tell me about some of the designers and and games that you admire and would want to emulate and some of the stuff that you design? Um, one of my favorite um, games of all time was Plants vs. Zombies, which was designed by George Pham. Mm. And I really enjoy his work. Um, I recently played um, his most recent game, Octageddon, and I really like it. I, I really admire how like the games that he makes are addicting, not in a bad way, but like they're really fun, they're arcade style, and like they're really, really creative. Like Plants vs. Zombies is like the game series 
that I've played the most throughout my life, and I really, really enjoy like the way he creates his games. Does what it? is it about it, though? I'm sorry, like I'm because yeah. I'm curious. I know you've always talked about it. I know that was one of the first games you reviewed with the circle. Like, what is it about the game, though, that you feel like? What's that thing that keeps coming ba- like that keeps you coming back to it? It it's the strategy, and it's also like very silly. Like, think about using plans as a defense <laughs> against a zombie apocalypse. Like, it's so silly and like. It's kind of kind of like kind of like battling uh, these like <laughs> battling in this love bunny world. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm seeing like a theme. We're using glove to fight off enemies <laughs> and fix a heart shaped ship in the middle of the, like the universe. <laughs> We're in so, Ursa Major. That's that's amazing. So so um, I'll after <laughs> after. Uh, when we have some time, I'll show you my photos from last Halloween um, when my son and I were characters from Plants vs. Zombies. I was cr- really? I was Crazy Dave, and you know the the dude with the pot on his head, um, who like gives you all the instructions, and he was a pea shooter. Oh my! You see, now we need to talk more because you cosplayed Wait, as go my back, favorite Kim, go game. Back. I guess. I guess. Or we did, did we get all of them? That already? was all his idea, by the way. Oh, there's a box over there. Because I, I, I'm proud to say that I beat Plants vs Zombies at least seven times. The the original. Yes. Right. And um, I'm not sure if I'm correct on this, but I think. Um, PopCap or um, EA, I think PopCap um, got Plants vs. Zombies. Like yeah. I think they bought it, and EA bought PopCap, and now um, they're using the series to create um, new games, like Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare, which is also a game I spent hours on. Yeah, that that's, that's hit, not out yet. That hit my house. Garden Warfare, that's out. You know, I haven't played Plants vs. Zombies yet. Come on. I no. have the disc at home. You I should have brought it. Get it on your phone. You don't You don't need to uh, go nuts. Is, is it, it multiplayer? It's a good subway game. Um, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare is multiplayer. And it's like Call of Duty in a way. Mm. Actually, it's kind of like Overwatch. Um, there's a bunny in um, this um, rock right here, I think. Let's get him. I mean, Man, we may if I have had a dime five, for every but... time, I got a bunny in the rock. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this game, Kim. We got a metal gem. I like using the metal gem on the shield because oh. it makes it a metal shield. What? I love this game. See, like, there are some games, because it's really crazy, and like uh, right now I'm trying to figure out uh, McLaughlin, a friend of ours who's also one of Kim's teachers, um, uh, she's a good friend of mine, and we've been playing Monster Hunter, but she really, really likes the game. And uh, we started playing together, but I came across this the Diablos. You know, <laughs> you kept asking me. That was the one you kept asking me about. Um, but I came across it, couldn't beat it, and then I kind of took on this defeatist attitude. Um, and I didn't want to play the game anymore because why play a game that I just can't move forward in anymore? So uh, I'm curious. Like, this game, like, what I like about it is that the gameplay is simple enough, right, that you can truly enjoy it. You can still collab with friends and just, it's, I, I mean, I like, I like it. 
You need to get the space mosquitoes. What space? Those are mosquitoes? Is that what those are? I think they look like <laughs> mosquitoes. And they're blowing fire at the ship. That is, that it does kind of feel like a space mosquito. That's what I'd call it. All right. I've never seen a planet that looks like this before. <laughs> it was oh! like the Death Star. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, so there's two tanks. There, no, there's there's four tanks. There's more space mosquitoes. Uh -oh. There's mega tanks. Yo. Okay. Okay, I don't know why the bunnies are here, but we're in trouble. All right, so you've hit like the end of a level, right? Uh, so this is kind of like your your boss fight for wherever you are. No, this isn't the boss oh. fight. Um, I think there's five levels in each campaign, uh -huh. and after those levels, then you fight the boss. Uh -huh. And you could clearly see who the boss is because he. <laughs> Isn't Ursa Major a bear? Um, I'm not sure. I think you're right. I'm going to Google it right now. Because if so, you would fight a giant space bear in your little circular ship. Um, oh, you fight the actual constellation? Like yes. Like uh, the animal that the constellation's Yo, after? That's, that's cool. cool. Um, on the map, should we go to the bottom right? There could be an yeah, extra bunny yeah. there. What are these question marks up there? Those are like little boxes. That's where we get some of the gems. Ursa Ooh. Major, yes, can look like a bear. So we're going to fight a giant space bear. Nice. That's pretty sick. Um, you said before it feels like an arcade game. Yes. Kamari, and this is not at all uh, meant as a condescending question, but have you ever been to an arcade? I've been to an arcade once, uh -huh. and that's because it was really expensive to go where I went. Uh -huh. um, the only arcade I went to was, um, I believe, Disney Quest, uh -huh. and like that's all the way in Florida, so I can't go there on a daily basis. <laughs> but like, I really enjoyed going there. Like, getting being able to see the actual arcade machines was really cool. Yeah, and like playing on them was even cooler. Although I didn't get the luxury to put quarters into the machine because you had like a two hundred dollar pass, uh. but like I really enjoyed going there. Like I, I really like going to arcades. I like how putting quarters in the machine would have felt like a luxury to you. Yes. Um, the re so the reason I ask is because you talk about it almost almost like a genre, right? The arcade style game, and I'm I'm curious what that means to a generation where. Arcades are kind of disappearing. Arcade games, like, it seems to me that the genre has kind of changed. Like, rather than it being, like, a physical machine, yeah. being, like, an arcade, like, display, yeah. uh, arcade games as a genre would be, like, games like this, um, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, like, games that are, like, really fun, that don't really... Like, like they're not like um, Call of Duty. Uh -huh. Like they're not these big AAA games that like have all these 3D graphics. It's like something that's like really fun, really simple. Um, like most of them are like multiplayer, kind of like this. It's like a game that you can sit next mm -hmm. to someone or like like play a game together. I think that's what. Um, like the new definition of an arcade game is. Yeah, I kind of love that. 
It's 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 sort of a. Um, you think it's safe to say it's sort of a cross between, or not a cross, but but if there's a spectrum from some of those AAA games, which we we should define what that means, and if the other end of the spectrum is like casual games, like Bejeweled, um, then the arcade space kind of feels somewhere in the middle. Yes. That feels that feels right to you. Yeah. So what's AAA? AAA games, like, I had to look this up myself um, because, like, I want to be a game designer, so I kind of want to know... Got to know the jargon. Yeah. So AAA games are basically games that have a high production value. So, so like, games like um, Call of Duty that have these, like, um, large companies or publishers, like, those are considered AAA games. Like, um, Like, mainstream... Like, like games that are like super mainstreamed, not super mainstream, but like have a high production value. Mm-hmm. They have publishers, like for indie games, which means like independent games. Right. Like they don't really have publishers, now which you, is why they're called indie games. Now you're getting the hang of it. Yeah. When when you gotta like define your define your jargon for <laughs> the, those lay people who are not. Uh, I mean, I'm learning so much. Like gamers. a lot of like that's one of the reasons I like. Uh, I started playing, uh, and we started, like, uh, doing a lot of, like, the video game work. Um, and personally, like, again, like, I enjoy because I learned so much more. I'm so sorry, Kim. I did it again. I, I, I saw there you there. There were no enemies, I, and you, <laughs> you still hit me. Um, it's just this idea of I learned so much more from uh, just games in general by just, like, hearing, you know, like, the perspective of people who are mostly playing them the most. We got another metal gem. Where should we put it? I uh, think it's a mace. But uh, for here, if you put it on the jet, I think it shoots out metal, and wherever you drive, it can hurt enemies. Do right. it what you feel is best. Ready? Triple A. Pronounced triple A. Is an informal classification used for video games produced and distributed by a midsize or major publisher, typically having higher development and marketing budgets. Spot on, Kim. AAA game development is associated with high economic risk and with high levels of sales required to obtain profitability. In the mid-2010s, the term uh, AAA Plus began to be used to describe AAA-type games that generated additional revenue over time in a similar fashion to MMOs, uh, that's massive multiplayer online games, by using uh, software as a service methods such as season passes or expansion packs learning that's what that's what we're doing so <laughs> I, actually um blanco i want to come back to to a thing that you just said i just had this really inf- interesting conversation with um a professor at duquesne uh her name's gretchen generat and she teaches um at, she's a professor and researcher um but she works in education leadership and her area of focus is social justice. Mm-hmm. And so um, she said this really interesting thing to me, which, which is um, she said that one of the characteristics, I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing and people should go back to the, the episode um, to hear her say it, but that one of the characteristics of leaders that are best prepared or best um, characterizing social justice oriented leadership mm-hmm. um learn learn how to learn in the open 
and you said this thing you you were as we were playing you were like i'm just learning so much right and you're sitting with a student and you guys are playing a game together and uh and she's actually teaching you this game and um it just strikes me that this is a really interesting environment to characterize what um dr gibbons generet was saying in that conversation about uh, being transparent about as an educator uh, being transparent about your own learning and in a way i was i was even saying to her um that this show in a way for me has been a, a sort of transparent form of learning um so I, I wonder what you guys think of that. Is is um, is co-play uh, in environment where we can break down some of the old paradigms of um, the sort of sage on a stage model, where all the power is kind of at the front of the room. Um, absolutely, and I think uh, one of the coolest things about doing this type of work is that well. Individual, like personally, like I've always been very transparent with where you know where, where my expertise is and what I know. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that has helped me kind of develop my relations with students that I've worked with is this idea um, of <laughs> one second. <laughs> it's this idea of uh, um, being able to be as an adult and an educator, being able to just you saw that Kim. I almost hit you there, but I did not. Um, being able to just say, hey, I don't know this, and that's okay, and my young person or my students are the experts here, um, changes the dynamic completely. Um, and when it comes to gaming in particular, uh, it puts us both in this place where I feel, or I'm going to speak for myself, like it just puts me in this place where it's like, hey, like I know that the students who want to play um, uh, with their teachers, or I guess with other adults, like they're open to the fact that like I almost feel like they already know they're the expert because we live in a world where it's like, oh, you know, like adults shouldn't be playing video games or whatever that may be. Um, but what ends up happening is that when young people like kind of know that they're the given expert in a particular game or yeah. area where, you know, like they excel at, like, like, it really shifts the dynamic between, uh, you know, who's doing the teaching, who's doing the learning. And when I go into, like, learning experiences like these with young people who are open to the fact that, like, hey, I'm playing with this person, you know, that may not necessarily know this game but enjoys gaming, um, uh, it opens up the channels for, like, what you're willing to learn, what they're willing to learn. Um, and I always come back to this one experience, like, my first time where I realized that we're, we were onto something here was... And I know you don't like Fortnite, Kim, but uh, I was playing Fortnite. I mean, I'm not a big Fortnite fan, but I just wanted to see what the <laughs> hype was about because um, it's a very heated topic amongst uh, teachers, educators, parents, adults, and even, uh, I mean, most specifically with students. But I uh, had gotten my PS4 for the first time. I've always been a Nintendo person. And, uh, you know, I wanted to see what is this for? You know, like, what is it? Like, I, I really want to know. Like, I'm curious. And I go and, like, I've never been a shooter. Like, I don't like shooter games. I prefer, like, action-adventure, mystery, RPG things that have me solving puzzles and Fortnite it's kind of like it's like a shooter game but it's not necessarily there's no graphic violence like it's animated in a way that's uh you know friendly for you know like um uh, multiple ages but as i was playing one of our students had gotten word that me and like two of my uh, two other teachers in our school were also playing Fortnite. Yeah. So they asked us, you know, what's your PSID? We were like, okay, cool, let's go, let's join a squad, let's play. And uh, yeah, we were there, and this young person was like all over the place, like sniping and doing all this cool stuff. And 
you know, we're just chopping trees down, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> collecting resources. I'm like, well, I can't shoot. I might as well just build. Right. Um, uh, and uh, as we were doing this, like we weren't on um uh, so we weren't in a party or anything, so we couldn't talk to each other. So it was just like playing what we could see. Mm -hmm. But something crazy happened that I thought was so cool. And it was like the students started like uh, like if there were supplies that we needed or tricks that they knew of to make themselves, you know, like stand or live longer in the game. Like they started like, you know, crouching near materials and like mm. using like yeah. weird ways of communicating with us. And we're like, whoa, like they're teaching us how to do this. And then at one point, like they started like the support is palpable. And like you see support in the real world, like mm. at IRL, but then to see it in this place and we're not even talking to each other and just see that this is what at least what fascinates me the most about it, like this is why young people I feel are so into what they do. Like it really is like playing with other people, like via a party online and like multiplayer game like these, like it truly is a new way of like hanging out with people, not in person, you mm -hmm. know, like, and that's what's blowing my mind at the fact that a lot of people, you know, a lot of adults specifically, uh, friends of mine who are parents that don't necessarily understand gaming, they're like, well, they're always in their room and they're doing this and like, you know, they're not talking to anyone. But the more I play, the more I realize, like, it's a whole world out there. Mm -hmm. And if you surround yourself with the right people or your right squad or your right group, like, you can actually spend pretty good, like, I spend more time playing now with some of my friends and I actually do hanging out with them, you know, like, you know, like, we hang out and stuff in real life, but at the same time, like, we spend time playing and, like, we're talking about stuff that we wouldn't normally talk about. Yeah. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think um, you, you put your finger on something that's really important that, um, Kim, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, which is, um, I think a lot of people approach gaming with that sort of uh deficit approach where it's like oh well my kid's locked in a room um and i don't like that they're spending all this time in front of games the um the asset-based approach would be uh that those are hours spent uh mentoring peers and being social and because it's not the kind of social that a lot of um, generations might have known prior to technology uh, that's that's networked, um, I think it's it's hard to understand. And I, I wonder both what you think about that and also what interactions you've had at home uh, in in that respect. Like, are, are people like, Kim, what are you doing with all your time? Or do, do they get it? Um. So I spend a lot of time like playing like a lot of video games, but like they 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 let me do that like freely like like they don't like force me to go outside or anything because like not it it's practically my job because like with the New York Video Game Critic Circle, my job is to play games, but like even for me, I don't have to do my job all the time. Like, I play games to, like, talk to people, be social. And, like, in some aspects, my parents don't really understand that. But, like, I've met, like, a lot of new friends. Like, um, one time at school, I got to hang out a after school with a friend. Like, physically hang out with them. Like, we went yeah. to the movies, to the mall. But... Although my parents may see that as like that's a one that's the only time that you've hung out with that person. I actually talk to them on a daily basis on like PlayStation. Yeah. 
and like that's how we keep in touch that's how we like plan new events for the future that's how like we um plan to play new games together and like talk see what's going on yeah like um like although it's not like really just like a hard social media or like staying on your phone all day like video games is kind of like that hangout aspect only just digital yeah and i think like combat combining that with like learning and education can like not only be like a kind of like bonding experience like you could get closer to your teachers like learn more from one another from different perspectives but also like there's a lot that you can do with gaming like um I I went to the Games for Change event yeah. and we listened to a lot of panels about like how we can use gaming for um learning. One of the panels um was talking about um how connected learning uses Minecraft and like mentorship to actually um teach the kids new skills and I think like that can also be applied to mm. like like different consoles and different ways of communication. So like sitting here playing with Blanco, my um, digital literacy teacher today, is not only really cool, but we get to like freely enjoy talking to each other without just sitting in a room doing nothing. Like we're enjoying ourselves. Um, we get to do something active, like collaborate with one another without necessarily talking about the game. And it's just like really cool to like be able to hang out rather than just like being in a classroom and just like talking face to face. Mm -hmm. I think it lets us also just see who we are, you know, like as individuals. And I feel a lot of times and Kim, I don't know if you knew this and I'm like cool, like being, you know, like open about it. Like there's a lot of stigma um, kind of like repercussions or like negative views for adults who are kind of like, and I mentioned it briefly, like that like gaming and that enjoy like this type of work. And I feel that it's only helped me kind of like evolve in this teaching space. Cause a lot of times like you ask an adult like, well, wait, why am I running so slow? Oh, cause where there's gravity in here. Wait, what? You see, oh, I was running super slow there. <laughs> Sorry. No, I guess what I'm getting at is like um, a lot of times like you'll have teachers be like, well, I don't know how to work with this student or I don't know how to do this. And like a lot of time uh, it's because there's no connection between, you know, like the teacher, the adult and the student. And sometimes like I've even heard some of my parents or some of uh, the parents that I work with or some of my friends who are parents. They're like, well, I don't know how to connect, you know, like to my kid. Yet they spend a lot of time kind of like, you know, making, you know, like young people feel, you know, like some type of way about. The fact that they enjoy gaming, you know, as opposed to where I'm coming from a place where it's like, oh, man, like you can learn so much from a young person and just who they are in general, like based on the types of games they play and like how they play. Like, for example, when you're in a team game, like you're in a squad, like you start seeing where people's strengths are. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like I've learned that playing uh, Monster Hunter or playing other games, like while some of my friends are all about just going out there fighting the beasts and monsters and slaying them, like I'm more about, hey, Kim, you have this power, like why don't you help the squad in this way? Or you start identifying like where people's individual like mm -hmm. strengths are and that's something that I don't think I would have ever had a chance to do had it not been in a fantasy world doing these <laughs> fantasy missions you know right, right. I mean at the same time you're killing multiple birds who, I mean I don't like that saying honestly so I'm not even going to use it um, what did the birds ever do to anyone you know mm -hmm. but uh, I guess what I'm getting at is this <laughs> idea of you're tackling a lot of different things at once 
Um, and uh, part of it is just getting to know our young people better. You know, like gaming is not going away. It's yeah. not going away. And I feel that if more adults were to kind of just find out what type of genre they would probably be able to play, the only way to really find that out is to just play with your young one. You know, like if you're a parent, play with your young one. Find out, like, and you'll see that they'll be more receptive to kind of like talking to you about, you know, just different things. So. And it doesn't even have to be like video games. It can also be board games. Um, it could be any card game. Mm -hmm. Like with all of those different types of genres, like you can learn what people are interested in and like you can see their characteristics through that, kind of like what you said. So like also using the Monster Hunter example, like depending on what weapon you use, um, like, one person can be like, oh, I want to be able to support the team by using this weapon to mount the monster and bring it down. Hmm. Or one person would be like, um, I'll risk it and I'll take damage from the monster so you guys can heal. Hmm. Like, um, there's, like, different roles that you can set up and also see through real time with video games. Yeah. And like also, like, there's some games where you know how, like, you can play a support role? Yes. Like, I, I've learned playing that, like... The type of gamer I am in games like these, like, I'm a support character. Yeah. You know, and, like, a lot of people, and, like, what I mean by that is, like, let's say if you're in a team of four, you have people who prefer just being a warrior, kind of just going out there and smashing stuff up. I always play as, like, a support character, whether that's a wizard or someone who fights long distance but is really big on, like, healing and keeping the group alive. Mm -hmm. And as the more I play, and, and I never really, like, I knew that much about myself, but I never really knew to what extent until I started, you know, like playing with my friends and I'm like, oh my God, I naturally just want to heal the team and make sure that they're getting stronger. And I can in doing agree with that. <laughs> Are you a support character too? Um, in Smite, which I was talking to you about earlier, I actually play the role of guardians and like I'm really good with being a guardian and what they are is like they have a lot of high health and defense, but they don't have a lot of damage. So basically with that, um, I take the role as the initiator and I help my team get kills. I don't get kills myself. Mm. And like I don't really mind. I I really enjoy like helping the team and like being able to start that team fight yeah. and get everyone going. Same. And then like from the teacher side or like the educator side, it's one of these things where it's like, "Oh man, like if you've played with a student and you realize that every time that we play like they're serving a support role, what ends up happening is that like say for example, you're in a classroom Right. And like there's a team project that's going on and like you use your experience with them as a way to be like, hey, you know how you like support roles like, yeah. in you know, like in game world, like how maybe this role suits you best in this team project yeah. or whatever that may be. So it really sheds light on multiple things that normally we wouldn't have really delved into had we not experienced it in this way. Yeah. I love that. It's also um, I think you're you're teaching digital literacy, Rudy, but um, there's so many literacies we're talking about here. And Kamari, just to know that, to have that sense of yourself and your own knowledge of uh, different types of leadership, um, and even that you can embody different types of leadership in different situations, um, that's a kind of skill that when I, I have the... the um, work of 
having a lot of conversation with industry folks who hire young professionals. And when you ask, especially in the tech industry, when you ask what skills they hire for, um, typically the top three are not technical skills. Mm -hmm. Typically the top three are things like I just described. Um, knows how to be what leader in what situation, mm -hmm. um, is able to communicate in a small team and show expertise when the context or setting is is um, is right. So um, there's just so so much to that. I love that. Um, are we at a decent place to pause and play another game? Um, sure. Yeah. And. Yep. Here's, here's my idea is I want to pause this game and we're going to transition to the next thing. But in that transition, I'm going to take your 100% attention, Kamari, and get your Fortnite review out of your system. Because now that, <laughs> that, now that Blanco's brought it up, we need to, we need to hear this. This um, is a perfect time to pause speak, speak. Will you do me a favor? My eight-year-old um, is all over me about Fortnite. He wants to play desperately. It's like, you know, the way the way this works when you're like in third grade is anything you hear 12-year-olds talking about is what you want to do. So lay it down for young gamers who just need to know what they're getting into. Kamari's uh, skilled review of Fortnite and why or why not this is a way you should be spending your time. Go. Let me just put the control. Yeah, there. I hear you. You gotta get, get ready. Alright, so I'm, I'm offended because... It's a cliffhanger. This and much much more in part two. Join us again. For more info about advertising with us, charitable sponsorship, or if you have show ideas you want to share, find me on Twitter, at M.A. Lesser. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in Episode Zero, an Ithaca bomber, an engineer of digital things and fresh beats. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. No Such Thing is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.org. This show would not be possible without the support from the good people at Mouse, a national youth development nonprofit that believes in technology as a force for good. Find us online at mouse.org. <laughs>